Um, but you head to Dr. Barley Pot's office and the door is open. And as you walk in, you see a rather portly man with very tiny glasses on the tip of his nose, uh, messing around with a ship in a bottle. And he kind of nods up at you as you as you watch. Ah, Dr. Tropicana, how you doing today? Beautiful day out, isn't it? I haven't looked. I haven't been out here. I've been messing with this thing in here. Uh, do how you, you like here? this? Does this look accurate to you? And he shows you like this recreation of a Spanish galleon that he's working on with tweezers inside of it. And around the room, there's paintings of ships in a bottle. There's paintings of ships in the bottle still somehow sailing in the ocean as normal ships. He has about 17 different ships in a bottle. And none of them are really interesting ships. They're all like historical recreations of some ship. And the only difference that they have is like, you know, this one has uh, like one less rope. This one has two sails instead of three. And the room immediately as you walk in, I want you to give me a willpower check as you kind of are surrounded by all these ships in a bottle. So roll uh, D100 for pow. The room just stinks like ships in a bottle. <laughs> I rolled a 25. My pow is 55. All right. Yeah, you're able to resist it. There is just something earth shatteringly boring about this man. And that you Charlie just, looks at it. He's got he incredibly like bad vibes. Uh, yeah, but you Charlie's know, looking at the ship, and he like kind of looks back up at the guy, and he's like, "Maybe add some ladies onto there." And then like, like Charlie doesn't give a shit. Like he doesn't give a fuck about the ship. Uh, He'd be down to go uh, sailing, but like you know, hopefully there's some ladies on there. You know, sunbathing. There's no female. Uh, Sailors allowed on any of the Spanish galleons during the Spanish-American War, you know, I'm willing to say with pretty certainty that you would have not found a single woman on this boat. If uh, there was a woman on this boat, she would have been some sort of prisoner or, you know, somebody's wife that would, you know, but certainly they wouldn't sunbathe. This whole time, Charlie is on the green. The sun just came up at 7 a.m. and he's teeing off. He has not listed a word this guy is saying because it is so boring to him. And he just keeps rambling. And actually, you know, during the ten, you know, the twelve years' war, when they and uh, as this is kind of going on, you notice that there is an elderly person in the waiting room next to you that appears to be ready to have uh, uh, some sort of surgery. It appears that this one has already been sedated, and he or he is asleep. Uh, so we're gonna cut real quick as you kind of get started working on that. We're gonna cut back to you. We are going to see um, Charles. Your character is now walking into the lobby. You see the exact same thing that Andrew saw earlier, the t- the tulips in the mini vases, the lady staring blankly at the wall, the checkerboard black and white pattern of the floor is made to make this place look a little bit ritzier than it actually is. Uh, you're coming in today because you have been getting multiple phone calls, multiple letters. Lots of things have been coming through to you uh, from one specific person who seems to kind of uh, demand your attention uh, by the name of Magneto Jones. Now, tell me, how were you, were you when you first started getting all these calls, you weren't really sure what he was or what he was doing. Um, what did you do initially? Did you just kind of ignore this guy or what? Yeah, I just assumed maybe he heard about me from all my gambling exploits. Like, I'm a fairly wealthy person, so maybe he, uh, I was some kind of role model to him or whatever. So let's uh, let's start describing your guy as he walks in. What is he wearing? What does he look like? What kind of, how is he carrying himself? 
So his name's Bugs Lombardi, and he's only 25, but he looks pretty old for his age, you know? It's because of the sharp, the 20s guy suit, the slick back hair with the 20s guy hat. You know, he's got like the fedora on. Um, pinstripes you know, or no pinstripes? Yeah, have a suit suit on? I think, yeah, pinstripes sounds pretty good to me. I think he would be into pinstripes. Uh, he's the kind of guy who a lot of the time you see him walking around with like a cocktail. Like he's got like a whiskey glass in his hand. Maybe he's even got one right now, you know, because he just looks cooler like that. He looks more sophisticated. And he's only 25, so he wants to seem like he's a bit older than he uh, is. I did want to say it's around 10 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, he's getting started early. It's but, the 20s, baby. But he does the Sinatra thing. You know, like Sinatra, everyone would give him like 20 drinks and he'd take one sip and then just leave him on a table and everyone would think he drank 20 drinks, but he actually had like one. That's yeah. what my guy does too, to like seem like more sophisticated, you know? Yeah. Um, but so basically a little of his background is uh, uh, he has a role model who is a, a White Sox uh, ball player by the name of Fuzzy Romano. And Fuzzy Romano is like a big time gambler who set up the whole Black Sox scandal in 1919. And I do like when, whenever I see a new person, I meet, I look him up and down and think, I know who this guy's role model is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the thing is, though, he taught me everything I know about gambling and he helped me make a lot of money off that World Series. And I was only 15 at the time, too. So. I am very precocious. I got an early start out there in the world of gambling. But now that I'm rich from gambling, I kind of like want to try to pretend like I have a normal job, but I'm also a rich guy. So I just have a fake job of antiquarian. And my main political belief is that we need to go back to powdered wigs because this country is going to shit and it's falling off the rails because we don't take ourselves seriously anymore with the powdered wigs. All right. You know, I just want to explore that a little bit because, you know, I want to make sure you have it fleshed out. So he thinks that if we start wearing powdered wigs again, the country will be better. Well, not us necessarily because I'm not going to wear one, but politicians need to wear them. So you have you ever worn a powdered oh, wig? Oh, no. Hell no. Just like what they still do in like England. Like judges still wear that shit. Yeah. See, I think that basically we've lost our way. When we when we threw off old King George, you know, maybe he had some good ideas like the so powdered wigs. You're like wigs. a royalist in 1929. A little bit. I think it's more about the wigs than the actual system. Living through the you don't like 20, the wigs. So what is it that you like about no, the wigs? No, I do wigs? like it. it. Confers political power to being me, like, twenty, being twenty five in the roaring twenties, and being like, we need to go back to the old stuff. Is like, what a fucking loser. <laughs> I also want to point out, uh, just you should be, be at the speakeasy with a bunch of flappers. But I, so I go to the speakeasy all the time with the flat. Like I'm just a hypocrite, basically, because I'm all about oh, that twenties okay. lifestyle. But I think that the country's going to shit because of people like myself. <laughs> So you're just a conservative. Yeah, exactly. I'm a hypocrite. That's, that's and I'm cool. Rich, that's cool. And I'm cool. <laughs> um, yeah, um, you can kind of see one thing walking in as well. Do you wear your treasured possession around or do you keep that secret? Yeah, that's a good point. I am wearing it. So I have a 1919 Cincinnati Reds World Series ring that I got from Fuzzy Romano. And you may remember that he was on the White Sox who threw the World Series. But because he's a gambler and he's into some seedy stuff, he bought one of the winning rings off of one of the Cincinnati Reds and then gave it to me. All right. Mm. Yeah, and uh, uh, you won it in a game. You were yeah, born in have, Chicago, Yeah, he may have won right? it in a poker game. Yeah, I was born in Chicago. All right, and you're the youngest guy here, by the way. You're only I, I'm, 25. I, I'm 42. Yeah, yeah. Charlie uh, Tropicano is 42. You are uh, 25, so yeah, you're the youngest pup. I'm new money, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, you're also pretty fabulously wealthy. Are you wealthy just from your World Series gambling win that you've just been coasting off for yeah, all these years? Or? Well, I've, I've parlayed that into other gambling. Like, gambling is my best skill in my stat sheet. And it's just, I'm really, that's my profession is gambling. But I realize that maybe it's not sustainable so that, like, that's why I'm an antiquarian also. So I have a quote unquote, like, real job, you know? And you're a pretty strong, pretty beefy guy and a pretty handsome guy as well. Your appearance is a 75. Uh, what what kind of like look do you compare him to? Like what kind of like I think he is person? trying to ape some of like uh, Frank Sinatra's like personality stuff, you know? Is Sinatra, Sinatra wasn't like he, he wasn't like popular. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> like Maybe he knows him. <laughs> he knows <laughs> like, him personally. Was Frank Sinatra, Sinatra gambling and shit? Right? was he bored? Yeah, he was born in nineteen. He was born in nineteen twenty-six, and this homeboy is like super so, fixated. So you know, this, funny. Funny. You know this really cool three-year-old. Okay, he was he was actually born in nineteen fifteen, which is yeah. really funny. So he's so right now he's fourteen years old. So you know this super okay. cool fourteen-year-old that you yeah. base your person. Because, okay, so Sinatra hangs out with the same gamblers that I do. This kid, this kid is doing You should hear this kid's pipes. Yeah, fuzzy. Right. This kid. Could sing. Bring him to the club. Yeah, Fuzzy Romano hangs out with 14-year-old Sinatra all the time. All right, put, making sure I put in my notes. <laughs> Charles knows. Frank Sinatra is Frank Sinatra. <laughs> this is like Goodfellas. And already cool. But you're De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Frank Sinatra see, to you is Ray Liotta. When a I was 15, I made my... A 25-year-old gambler whose role model is a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> But I made my fortune at 15, so I'm telling Frank Sinatra, you're almost 15. You gotta, you need to do something like, with your this, life. This kid has a crazy voice. He kind of just talks. And everyone thinks it's singing, but it sounds really good. <sighs> yeah. Uh, you walk in, you see this. You've never been here before, uh, uh, um, Bugs Lombardi. You've never seen this place at all. Um, you've just heard to come here, and you know that you're working, looking for a man named Magneto Jones who lives here and has been trying to track you down. Uh, you see a woman staring blankly at the front desk in front of you. What do you do? I'm going to walk up to her and be like, top me off, sweetheart. And she looks at you and grabs some sort of brown bottle and immediately pours it in your drink because it's 1929 and they were dirty, filthy, nasty people. And uh, she tops off your drink and says... Oh, how can I help you? I've never seen you around here before. Tops off his drink. Oh well, my! God. I was gonna be like, well, you could have helped me by not using the well stuff, but uh, I'll let it slide this first time. Well, uh, you're a pretty interesting fella coming off the street at 10 a.m. and telling me I'm not giving you good enough free whiskey. What can I help you with? Looking for a man by the name of Magneto Jones. Perhaps you've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and sign in right here. Um, Magneto is going to be on the second floor in room 11. Wow. All right. Thanks. Be on my way. All right. Let me know if you need anything else. And here's a tip for you. Take a little swig of that whiskey if you want to take the edge off. Oh, I'm doing just fine. That's his tip. <laughs> I thought he was going to give her like some money or something, but he gave her an actual tip. Like you should get a little buzzed and your workday will be better. But it's he's not wrong. All right, well, I kind of like this Bugs well, she Lombardi says, thank, guy. Thank you to your tip. And uh, you continue on. Are you wanting to scope the place out, or are you looking for Magneto Jones? I think I'm just going to head straight to uh, room 11. You see room 11, and the door is open, as most of the doors are here. And it's a single bedroom, a single room with a bed, a TV, or not a TV, a uh, bed, a reading area, and whatnot. Maybe a radio. 
Let's let's be generous and say he has a radio and he's listening to some song that sucks. You know how like all the songs sucked back then? Oh yeah, they suck, dude. They're all so bad. And they're so like, grainy sounds. It's like ragtime, like like it's just fucking six slags music everywhere you fucking go. And uh uh you see this man, uh sort of a, a more olive skinned in like a sweater and like a hat, uh, like a beige hat and a tie, just asleep in a little hard wooden chair. As you walk in, he kind of stirs a little bit and looks at you with wide eyes. Okay. You, uh, Bugs Lombardi? Yeah, what are you listening to here? How much is that doggy in the window? This is the best song I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, love this new music. You know, this stuff's so new and crazy. The sounds they're coming up with today. You know, back in my day, it would be mostly tin cans, things rock knocked on rocks, a banjo and some guy singing songs about a cricket. Lots of songs about crickets and where they would jump. Now, yeah. let me tell you, Bugs Lombardi, I'm Magneto Jones. I've been the one who's bothering you, and I got a deal to make with you, and I hope you're interested in making a deal with me. Well, how'd you even find out about me? Did you hear about my gambling prowess, or...? Uh, I got this! And he uh, starts re reaching down over and going through a side table. And he pearls out, like, an old, faded, yellow piece of parchment paper. And on it are a bunch of scrawlings. And I want you to go ahead and give me either a, give me a spot-hidden check. So roll a uh, D100. You gotta beat a 55. I got a 65. All right, you're not able to spot it, but you're able to spot one single name as he kind of whips it around. You see the name Fuzzy Romano on it. This here is proof of how much you betted and what the payouts would be for the 1919 World Series. And I'm going to blackmail you. Well, I mean... I, I have so much money that I don't really care that much. You know, I don't want to go to jail, I don't but they don't want make your rich money. guys go to jail. I don't want your money, kid. What, what I want, want is... I'm a really old man. I don't have very much time left. I got a bum ticker. My whole guts, the doctor, he just says... You know, when I, when I take my pants off, the whole room smells like low tide. smells like a crawfish boil. The doctor very said that sick. to you? He did. He's a very funny doctor. We, we we kid around, me and my doctor. You gotta laugh. But the point is, I got one foot in the grave and four toes. Only one thing lit in there is my big, fat, callous pinky toe that I haven't felt in years. I think I got two or three days, maybe, tops. Uh, I want so you're you gonna, to... You're gonna snitch on me, but you're about to die? I could probably just wait you out. Well, that, no, because this is why I got you here, because if you don't do it now... No, I planned this. I'm not that old. I mean, I fell asleep. I was trying to stay awake, but I'm not that old. You need... They, listen, they won't let me eat red meat, and they won't let me drink alcohol. You're going to take me out to a t for a night on the town. Take oh, me out it? for the night on the town, get me drunk, get me some red meat. I'll hand this ride over to you. Is this Kurosawa's Ikiru, where you just like, I'm... I know I'm about to die. I got to go out and just do everything. I got to forgive everybody. One last party. What do you say, Bugs Lombardi? One what? last party sure, for one yeah. old geezer who knows. I mean, that sounds too pretty much. easy. I thought you were gonna make me do something that sucked, but I can I can buy you a steak or whatever. Th that would be the coolest blackmail ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go it's have like, fun. You gotta take this old guy out on the town, like fucking have a great time. That sounds awesome. 
All right, well. My father-in-law died, and I was going through his papers, and I discovered an indisputable proof of the second and third shooter in Dealey Plaza when JFK died. I'm definitely getting someone to take me to the keg. <laughs> Billy Minor Mudcake Pie will be the last thing I eat. <laughs> All right, well, help me up. Let's get me right. so drunk I pissed my pants. And uh, we're going to cut there as you kind of start helping this man do up. And uh, maybe he, he's fussing with his clothes. He's looking. He's straightening his hat. He's changing from one beige sweater to a slightly beiger sweater and then trying on some gray pants. You know how clothes looked back then. And uh, as we're doing that, we cut back downstairs to the lobby where Mike, we see a man by the name of Markeef O'Beef entering. Uh, please tell us a little bit about Markeef. Tell us what he looks like and tell us how he's carrying himself as he walks into the Cordial Center for Dignified Living. Markeef O'Beef uh, walks in checking his watch. He's in a rush. He's late. He has a performance to put on and as he moves through the lobby, people swirl out of his way as if caught in the eddy of a giant ship. For in their presence is the fattest man alive who weighs 236 pounds. Oh, man. This is, I would say, probably double the weight of Charles's guy. Yeah. He's wearing an orange singlet, sleeveless, and some kind of blue kerchief around his neck. The orange singlet is covered in black triangles, reminiscent, one might suppose, of some kind of afrin African leopard spotting, and the bottom of it is cut into crude triangles, perhaps to imply that it had been clawed by the paws of some vicious cat. It's quite quite an outfit there. Any shoes? Does he walk it in barefoot? How's he do? No shoes, but he holds above his head to not accidentally brain any of these feeble old people. A seven foot long giant African war club made out of the extremely rare, rare Duja tree. Yeah, it's a big, ornate look. How intricately decorated is this gigantic African war club? Well, the part when when you hold it, when he when you hold it like standing up, the part that's right in front of your face has a lot of intricate carvings. But down at the bottom and up near the top, it's not got that much. It's the kind of thing that might would catch your attention in some of the tawdrier souvenir shops of the world, but not treated perhaps with the, the, the respect and care a true craftsman might imbue their work oh, with. I have a question. Has Markeef worked in the circus before? No, he wow. Markeef has not worked in the circus. Markeef, Markeef O'Beef, whose name was supposed to be Marquise, but his mother was possessed by a speech impediment. And there was a miscommunication. His name was supposed to be Marquise O'Beef. And people ask him, being the fattest man alive, if his name was supposed to be Marquise O'Beef. But it wasn't. It was just supposed to be Marquise. 
O'Beef, and they fucked up the Markeef part, but not the O'Beef part. Um, he is a performer, a, uh, a, a one-man show. So he's given to, he, you know, he performs feats of strength, feats of agility, feats of eating, feats of lunch. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's, quite, he's quite famous, he's quite successful performing on his own. And he has been approached by uh, uh, F- Francis Ringling and his brother Dave to go be part of their show, but he says, no, I got my own thing. I got my, I don't know what his voice sounds like yet. Not like that. A man of enterprise. He, he's independent. Yeah, so like, I got he's my, like Hobson. I got my own thing. I got, I'm doing good. I don't need to sign with a big And, and you are, um, out of the three of you, you are the wealthiest one. Um, yes. Wow. By about $10,000. So you own multiple homes. You have a... Bu- oh, tell them a little bit about your home. My home is, is basically... It's in... Outside Terre Haute. Uh, slightly outside. In the in the rich person section. And it's uh, basically a pleasure palace. Devoted to all non-sexual sins. So you can show up and uh, eat candy with nobody getting no mad judgment. at you no judgment you can uh be jealous of each other no problem <laughs> you're allowed to be wrathful you're allowed there's a there's a room called the wrathful room <laughs> where people just go in and go ah! yeah, there are a lot of holes punched in the wall what about sloth yeah, are there people being slothful it, there huge couch they they're they're kind of i have the the world's first um, sectional couch. You invented the sectional couch. Yeah, in the in the sloth room, there's a, a room that looks exact. That looks exactly like Elvis Presley's shooting range in his house. Which, if you ever go to Graceland and they say, "Now we're going to walk to the shooting range," don't think that it'll be like a big long thing with targets hanging at the end it's actually like a 10 foot by 10 foot room with a wooden (laughs) post in the middle that elvis presley used to go in and just shoot the post at a point blank range so there's there's one of those and then there's um is there a room where you just go to feel proud of yourself yep it's connected to that it's that you move into the shooting the wooden post room into the pride room and people say there's mirrors all over you shot the shit out of that post and you say yeah i fucking know like i was there dipshit and then people are like wow that's mean and you're like yeah it's just it's what we're here for and my family lives upstairs and they kind of um do their own thing uh we've got an understanding that it's it's important to my business to my livelihood that i kind of keep this pleasure palace going and they they come and they hang out sometimes, but mostly it's just me and my buddies doing our th- me and my buddies eating a bunch, then going over to the yeah. sloth room for a nap. What your crew, the yeah. Devil Dancers? Yeah, the Devil Dancers, which is a uh, mobile um, kind of like a proto dance crew of like people that in nineteen you know the nineteen twenties when they were like you know World War One sucked. And maybe like society isn't great 
it, like every like it, all the rest of the war, people were like, "Our version of society is great. Our version of society is great." And then they were like, "What if every kind of society is not great? And what if the only thing to do is dancing?" So it's like the, the my, my boys and the Devil Dancers crew, which is a social club that I belong to. So they sound like they're like anarchist dancers but they don't know what anarchists are they're just like yeah this is a thing we yeah, can't they're, they're just more dance. about the dancing than they are about yeah. the anarchists yeah well they did yeah. yeah they just don't even know what anything is they're just like no we just dance you know um you have you uh, have you ever done a charity show at this senior living center before markeith yeah i i perform here about once a year and uh there's Johnny I'm starting Cash in a prison. <laughs> They bring me in. They bring me in every January to uh, put on my show, and I'm, I'm I'm late for this one.